0: Um, so let me get into this as we uh, dive right in. John chapter three is a text that we all are familiar with. It's that verse that you see in plastered in NFL games and NBA is John 3:16. And when we were doing Bible study this past week, I said, "What's so unfortunate is that verse is, captures the good news of Jesus Christ. But the context of it, it's so beautiful. That the context of it makes John 3:16 even more beautiful. That it's not just one verse, but if you could look at the whole chapter three, it really engages us. So I wanna make, frame today's message with these three questions that John 3 answers. The first question is, why can't religion save people from eternal death? John 3 answers that. Why do many people miss out on God's salvation? So if God is giving us salvation, why do people miss out? And lastly, how is Jesus Christ the only Savior, the only way to God? John 3 answers all these things, and I want to share that today. So first question, why can't religion save people from eternal death? We've heard this as maybe framed this way. What's the difference between Christianity and religion? is in Christianity one of many religions? And I would say, absolutely not, as one who's seen and studied all the world religions. And all, looking at every religion, there is a unique difference that only Christianity has, and it's the basis of salvation. It's the basis of what redemption looks like. So religions, the basis of it is, if I do this, and if I try harder to do this, then God will love me. Christianity is the only religion that says, there is nothing I can do. I am hopeless. I am in doom, but God. That's Christianity. There's no other religion that shows God is the one that did the work for us. 99.9% of every religion is, you must do the work. So look at today's text. On this night, John chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Now Pharisees were the high council, religious authorities. They're not just the pastors. They're like the Pope, the cardinals other day for the Jews. A ruler of the Jews on the highest council, by the way, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher uh, that comes from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. A religious leader comes to Jesus, and that's likened to, um, like, I don't know, Bill Gates going up to me and saying, Jason, can you teach me how to program computers? I've I seen, I seen you play Atari 2600 in 1980, and I realized you're a genius. It's that ridiculous for a, For a guy like Nicodemus to come to a homeless, traveling man, teacher, street preacher, and saying, you are from God. There's something about you. He's a religious leader. He's well-educated. And he's also humble. Because for him to come to ask somebody like this, you can't not think of yourself higher than others. So Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus is just turning Nicodemus' world upside down. The title of the sermon is, The Gospel That Dismantles Religion. And Jesus is about to just rock Nicodemus' world. Jesus is about to tear down Nicodemus' framework of religiosity. That's the good news for some of us. You know why? We've been burned by religion, haven't we? We've seen religion for all kinds, of extremists, even church-going people. Hey, I've been part of that cog. We've stumbled members. Members have stumbled people. And it's good news that the Jesus Christ gospel dismantles the religious framework. So Nicodemus is truly humble because he never gets defensive. He never argues. He never rebuts. Verse 3 and 4, 5, it's up here. Jesus answered him, now check this out. You're saying this to a high Pharisee. Truly, truly I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Just to make that understand to us, you are a religious leader who helps people to go to heaven. I get it, but even you, eh-you don't have what it takes to go to the kingdom of God. That's mind-blowing. That's crazy. Verse 5, As if it wasn't enough, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Two times. You think Jesus is trying to say something here? He's basically saying, religion will never get you into heaven, period. Period. With all your title, with all your knowledge, with all your rituals, with all your worship, with all your robes, with all that your resume says, Jason Coe, Prince of Seminary, Jason Coe ordained, uh, converted, blah, 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 spoke at evangelism. God says, that's great. That's not a basis of you entering the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus is absolutely stunned. And in, uh, in this room, we should be absolutely stunned that this doesn't give us a basis of becoming right with God. And that's actually good news. So the truth, before I, it, I feel like I'm talking to just the religious people, but in this room, if some of us are skeptical of religious and we're like, see, I knew it. These critics, you know, these critics who say like, these churchgoers, they're a bunch of self-righteous Pharisees. And that's why I don't go to church. Time out! Jesus is actually addressing you as well. How so? Well, I'm not religious. Why, are you, why would Jesus be addressing me? What's the basis of your principle? My righteousness by my morality and my opinion and my lifestyle is superior to this religious kooks. What is Jesus dismantling? There is nothing you can do right or wrong with the world in the church, outside the church, that will get you into the kingdom of heaven. No one can be entering the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. So I love what Jesus does here. He doesn't just slam the church. He doesn't just slam the atheists. He says, here's a fact, folks. We're all in the same boat. So when you're pointing fingers at others, whether they're atheists or Christians, the three fingers pointing back to you, says, that's you. And so we live in that world where a talk show host says, you know, Christianity is a mental disease. I mean, that controversy. And before we even laugh at her, we have to step back and say, man, we are all prone to self-righteousness. And this is why religion doesn't get us there. Amen? I mean, come on. That's a a big amen. amen. Amen? Oh, gosh, thank God. Because if I had a resume I had to keep, we're in trouble. So, so this is what Jesus says. Religion can't get you in there. You have to be born again. So let me, let me answer the second question here. So the second question is, why do people miss out? I'm going to jump down to the end of this section and answer that. John three nineteen twenty one, 21, Jesus says, and this is a judgment. The light has come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Why do people love darkness more than Jesus? Because their works were evil. You know, do you ever have, if you have children, you understand this, right? Like, when you go into a room and children are like, I'm fine, Dad, don't come in. They never are that polite. I need to go investigate. And then... You're like into a world of chaos and like this twilight zone. Clean this up now. (laughs) But people, we, we Jesus has come. It's not that Jesus has been mean to us, but when Jesus comes, his light represents my darkness is being revealed. Because our works were evil. It's always like that with children again. Oh dad, mom, enjoy your date. Come back later. We're doing fine. That could also mean that they're really polite or they got like 50 other kids playing Xbox and pizza all over. He goes on, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? Lest his works should be exposed. Notice how on Facebook and Instagram, no one puts, boy, today I lied to my boss. Boy, today I cut off someone and they almost crashed. No one ever puts that. No one ever puts, boy, today... I had an affair with my wife or my husband. <laughs> Oops. We always put stuff like, oh, like I, you know, my, my kid got a base hit out of 100 bats. Struck <laughs> out 99 times, but got one base hit. We always like to put the good stuff. That's human nature. We do this with Jesus. He comes in. We don't want to be told about our evil. Jesus, why are you making me feel uncomfortable? Like, do you do that with doctors? No. Doctors are like, hey, you got a tumor. Good news, it's not cancerous, but we got to remove it. Here's a knife. You got to go on the operation. Yo, why you got to be so offensive? Don't touch me. Do you ever say that? You say, oh, that's uncomfortable, but let's do it. Because it heals me. And Jesus has come to heal us, but we push him away. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So I love how he ends that. When we come to the light and live in the light, the work that we do is carried out in God, through God, only by God are we able to be considered good. It's not religion. It's worse. It's something that Jesus is framing. So Tim Keller has this quote. I'm not sure if I put it up there. Is it up there? Um, Let me see. So Tim Keller has this wonderful quote, and he says, Jesus didn't come... um, Jesus' rebirth is not a call to more morality, meaning, hey, you guys are wicked people, start living good. No, Jesus is actually saying it's not a call to more morality, it's a challenge to it. Your standards of morality stink. And it's, this is why it stinks. It can't get you into the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again. So, people miss out, not because God is pushing them away. We miss out because In human nature, ultimately, we choose us. And that sounds so beautiful in a romantic movie. Stephanie, I choose us. You know, it sounds like, oh, oh, he's so cute. I choose me. Yes, believe in yourself. But when it comes to things of God, Jesus is asking here, you need to come into the light. You need to be born again. Now, here's what's brilliant about being born again. Just... That's an evangelical term that we've already checked out, right? Those fundamentalist evangelicals, those finger-pointing. Just let's get more basic. Born again. Can you raise your hand if any of you contributed to your own birth? You contributed to your own birth. Like you birthed yourself. Got this, mom. I'm good. Don't need help. The point of... Birth is, it must happen to you. It must, you must be delivered. You can't do it yourself. The brilliance of born again, just in a most human concept, and this may not be what Jesus said, but this is a brilliant side meaning. Birth is something that can only happen to you, done to you, and done for you. Salvation, the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, is only something that can happen to you done to you, and done in you. If you're a Christian, no one in here can say, I've earned this. I've accomplished this. There is absolute humility because by the grace of God, he has called me forgiven, son, and beloved. Wow. That's the good news of why religion doesn't work. But the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ does. So, last question: Why is Jesus the only way? I mean, couldn't we do this another way? Couldn't we? Couldn't God just step a finger? So, I love this. Going back to the middle, right before John 3:16, does anybody know what Jesus talks about? For God so loved the world that the only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. We, we love it. We know it. We knew, your parents taught you it. What does 15 say? This is phenomenal. Um, No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Son of Man means, Jesus' favorite term for himself, the Son of God. He is God. And who is the Messiah. That's a messianic term. Now listen to this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Okay. Numbers 21 Israelites were traveling, and they were going around, and they they were trying to get to that door. There's our destination, and in this section was Edom. Edom is basically, remember Jacob and Esau, the twin brothers? Esau foolishly sold his birthright, and Jacob took it. Esau's descendants were angry at the Jews, and they lived in Edom. So the Israelites were, they were liberated from Egypt. They were going to their promised land, and they said, can we cut through your land, and Edomites said, "Heck no! You come here, we're going to kick your butt and kill you." So Israelites, after seeing God's miracles over and over again, grumbled against God. God fed them manna from heaven, water from a rock, parted the Red Sea, delivered ten plagues, and now they're grumbling. So God, don't you dare say God's mean. God sends venomous snakes, bites all the Israelites and people started dying from getting bit by vipers. Basically, he was like, you know, you should have been dead if it wasn't for me and I saved you and you still don't believe in me. So the people said, okay, Moses, can you please tell God to give us, heal us? We're sorry. And so Moses goes to God and God says, make a bronze snake and raise it up high. And when people look at it, they'll be healed. If you get bitten by a snake, how many of you think the first thing I should do is look, at a, look for a bronze snake? <laughs> when you get bitten by a snake and your arms getting paralysis and your pain, how many of you think, I need to look at something? That's the foolishness of it. It's this ridiculous idea. And Moses did. And guess what? The people followed. Where did the power of salvation and healing come from? From the bronze snake? One of our Bible study members, this is why I do Bible study on Wednesdays, man, it was this ridiculous obedience to God that they are responding in trust to whatever God says. And in that obedience and trust in God, that faith heals my venom. If God said, hop on your left leg 10 times, guess what I'm doing? I am hopping on my leg 10 times. Are we, are we talking, church? This is good stuff, isn't it? This is what God is saying. If he says, look at a bronze snake, guess what I'm doing? I'm looking at a bronze snake. If Jesus says, look at the Son of God who died on the cross of Calvary and rose again as your only source of salvation, guess what I'm going to do? I'm looking to Jesus as my hope. Nothing I've accomplished. And what Jesus is doing is making a direct connection. Do you remember when Moses lifted up that snake and you were healed? So too the Son of Man must be lifted up. Now Nicodemus has no idea Jesus is talking about crucifixion. But we do, don't we? And so the hope for the world today is not more religion or more morality. It is repentance Humbling of ourselves and recognizing God has given us the only way out, and His name is Jesus. John three sixteen therefore makes sense because God so loved sinners, wicked, self righteous, religious, atheists, all kinds of people like us, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life hallelujah how good is god religion is dismantled our righteous self-righteousness for all religious and atheists are dismantled and jesus christ points to the answer that we've been looking for the answer that you and i want is am i loved and am i forgiven and god is saying yes It's all found in my son, Jesus Christ. Look to him. As opposed, don't look to a church. Don't look to a pastor. Go to a church. Go have a relationship with a pastor, but your savior is Jesus Christ, the son of man who was lifted up. And in him do I have a basis for my salvation. When I face God on that day, Jason, why should I let you to heaven? I'm going to say, you shouldn't, God. But by the grace of your son, Jesus Christ, in whom I see, he is my basis. How do I know this? Because he rose again on the third day. He's not a lunatic. He's not just a great teacher. He is the son of man, the Messiah, sent by you for my redemption. So how do we respond? And I guess it's the final things I'll say. Just, two, just takes one minute. First, you don't run from shame. Some of you are loving your darkness. Jesus is here. It's easier to run than to face shame or guilt. In every regards of our life, it's always easier to run away. It's always easier to quit. It's always easier to just move. But wherever you go, there you are. And so... The first thing when we look at this gospel is we run into the shame as we surrender it into the light of Jesus Christ. Here it is, my junk and all. A.W. Tozer said this Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Can you turn to the person next to you and go, uh oh? Just go, uh oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. All right, you're enjoying that too much. <laughs> Self righteous people. Nonetheless, He is the one who loves you most. Wow. Jesus Christ knows the worst about you. Nonetheless, he is the one who loves you the most. So run into it. Run to his light. Savor Christ. Don't hide in it. Don't cover in it. Surrender it. Two, if this is the gospel, what's the only true way for the church to respond? What are we doing? 99% of our energy just focusing on our community here. What are we doing? Seriously, what are we doing just preparing songs? This is great. We have to be a worshiping church. But when we go to heaven, there's one thing you cannot do. It is help lost people know Jesus Christ and be saved. And 99% of the times that we argue and fight are over preferences that we enjoy in church rather than about how do we get out there to bring this gospel of Jesus Christ to a hopeless world. How do we respond as a church? We got to get going. And so one of the practical ways we thought about this as staff is once a month, we're going to try to do a bring your friends. And we're not going to call it bring your friends because we don't want this to be a project. But once a month, we're going to share an evangelistic Gospel message once a month so that you know this. We know this. Your friends may not know this. So that if they ran from the gospel, ran from Jesus, ran from the church, maybe this is an opportunity for them to reconnect with the good news. Second, after that, is as you hear these messages, you are the messengers of the good news. Say amen, please. Is it the preacher's job? (laughs) Only if you realize you're the preacher. Amen? We can't keep this good news that Jesus Christ died and rose again to ourselves, church. We have to be a church on the move in sharing this. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this incredible exchange that you and Nicodemus flesh out why religion fails us and why we failed understanding all of this when the gospel was so clear. As we were birthed into this world without any of our participation efforts, may we first be found born again in you, that you give us new life. And may we be able to take this message and to live it out with gratitude and humility and grace wherever we go, And may we also carry that clear message of the whole chapter john 3 to friends thank you for us thank you for your spirit teaching this to us thank you god for reconnecting us with your mission your faithful god and your work is not finished yet use us we pray the prayer you taught us as we say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name